Big Ten rivalries will dominate college football this weekend. The Bengals are surging. The Chiefs are struggling. And the rest of what happened in NFL Week 7. Let's jump right in. LaValley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk podcast brought to you by the Sideline Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. College football. Last week sucked. The games were boring. There really wasn't anything to talk about. So I'm ignoring all of the scores from last week. Don't even want to talk about it. We just want to focus in on the two big Big Ten matchups that we have this weekend. You got number six Michigan State at number eight. Mich- uh, excuse me, number six Michigan at number eight Michigan State. Number twenty Penn State at number five Ohio State. Michigan Michigan State to me is the game of the weekend. Wolverines and Spartans are both seven and zero. Both teams have had relatively cupcake games so far this season. Neither team has defeated or really played a ranked opponent. This is a must win for Jim Harbaugh. It's this game to me, and really the rest of what goes on in the Big Ten, aside from Ohio State, is all about Michigan and all about Jim Harbaugh's legacy. This year is the year for Jim to finally right the ship for Michigan. I am rooting hard for Michigan. I'll, like I'm putting all my cards on the table here. For those who have listened to this podcast for a long time, know that I'm a huge Harbaugh fan. So I am all in on Michigan. I think I also think Michigan is the better football team over Michigan State. I think Michigan will win this game close, something like a 23 to 20 type of type of score. I don't think it'll be a high scoring affair. I think this will be a very close game, defensive battle. And I do think Michigan, like I said, has the better team. They have the better quarterback. And I think Michigan will prevail. But they also have to. Jim has to win this game. Not only does he have to win this game, but he I believe this is the year for Michigan to actually make it into the college football playoff. This is the year for them to go undefeated to win the Big Ten title, and to finally get over that hump. Do I think that they're a good enough football team to compete for a national championship? Honestly, no. I think the two best teams in college football are Georgia and Alabama. I I believe that all season. I still think that way. I think those are your two best teams. I don't think any other team really comes close. I mean, Oklahoma, maybe, if they can, with with Caleb Williams at quarterback now, I think Oklahoma maybe has a shot but their defense has been so spotty. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off on, on the, the wrong track here. Okay, getting back here. So Michigan has to win this football game. They just, it, 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 this matters more, I think, for Harbaugh's legacy than any other year past because he's running out of time in Michigan. He really is. And the other thing with Harbaugh is he's never had a quarterback at Michigan. He's done a terrible job recruiting quarterbacks, which is insane because he's always been known as the quarterback guru. He was the quarterback guru. He's the one who draft, or excuse me, not drafted, recruited Andrew Luck, coached him up at Stanford. Andrew Luck went on to do what Andrew Luck did in the NFL. He understood that he understood Alex Smith's limitations in San Francisco, made the move to Kaepernick. That worked out for a short period of time for the 49ers. The other thing with, with Harbaugh that we know is that he He's a coach that can only last for a certain period of time at a program before he kind of turns stale and the locker room kind of pushes against him. Fortunately, with college, unlike the pros, you're getting constant. It's a, it's a really a revolving door of players. People could transfer out. You're getting kids retiring. Um, excuse me, not retiring. You're getting kids graduating. And so it, it's a little easier in a college program as long as he's winning, which he has won, but he hasn't won the big games. So this is the time for Michigan to finally step up and make a statement win here, and I think they'll do just that. Then we get to the Penn State-Ohio State game. Penn State is coming off a devastating loss in OT to the unranked um, Illinois fighting Illini. That game was a joke. Penn State completely overlooked Illinois. They should have blown out Illinois. They didn't. They lost in overtime. In By the way, the overtime rules in college football are stupid. I don't know if, if anybody has paid attention to them now. Now what it is, is they, they go for two-point conversions back and forth. So each team gets the opportunity to, to score on a two-point conversion. And you just do that back and forth until you know one team scores, the other team stops them. It's so stupid. I, I hate it. I hate the overtime rules in college football. I guess a lot of people, I'm, I'm apparently in the minority because all of our social media people are like, oh my God, this is so cool. This is so much fun. It was cute after the second overtime, but when you go to eight overtimes, it gets old real fast. 
anyway, moving back. Penn State has now lost two straight. Ohio State is in the midst of a five-game winning streak. Since or uh, since Ohio State's lost to Oregon, they have had an easy path for that five five-game winning streak. They haven't played anybody. They Ohio State's toughest opponent this season has been Oregon, and they lost to them. Full disclosure: I would love to see Penn State win this football game. I'm tired of Ohio State. I, they're just one of those teams that I just I am I'm not I don't like their fan base for starters. And also, I'm tired of them always being in the college football playoff. They just they bore me at this point. But that said, it's not going to happen. Ohio State, I think, is going to win this game, something to the effect of like 35 to 20. It may even be more of a blowout than that. Penn State can't score. They The fact that you – it's one thing to lose to Iowa. You lost to Iowa because you lost your quarterback in the middle of that football game. That's fine. I get that. I can, I can appreciate that. But you come off a bye week. You come off a bye week, and you lose in overtime – to one of the worst teams, not only in your conference, but in college football. Like, you didn't even show up. You didn't show up in this football game. How can anybody buy into you the rest of the way? And here's the other thing, too. I think Coach Franklin is done in Penn State. I think he has, especially after that loss to Illinois, I think he's already setting sail to USC. Hasn't been confirmed, but there's been some rumors, some speculation that he's He's gone. He's gonna go. He's gonna take the USC job. He'll look. He'll play out the rest of the season, but there are definitely a lot of rumblings out there, and I'm starting to buy into it that he's going to uh, leave Penn State for USC. And good for him. I mean, look, I said before that I think he would be a perfect fit for USC, but I, I it's just it's just a feeling I have. So I'm not buying into Penn State at all. I think Ohio State wins this game pretty handily. And then if we look at the college football rankings here, real quick, and then we'll move on to the NFL. So here's your top 10 right now. You have Georgia and Cincinnati. Those are your 1-2. They're both 7-0. Then you have Alabama, 3. They're 7-1. Oklahoma is 4th ranked. They're 8-0. Ohio State's 5th at 6-1. Then you have Michigan, 7-0. Number 7 is Oregon at 6-1. 8, Michigan State, 7-0. 9, Iowa, 6-1. And 10, Ole Miss at 6-1. Here's where it's going to get interesting. As we move forward and we get closer and closer and closer to the college football playoff, if Oregon wins out, Okay, so if Oregon wins out and they finish the season with only one loss and Ohio State wins out. So let's say they beat they end up beating Michigan when they play Michigan and they go to the Big Ten championship game. They win that. Who do you think that the committee is going to put into the college football playoff? Now, they should put in Oregon because Oregon beat Ohio State. But here's the problem. And here's where the rub comes in, and this is why I can't stand the committee. This is why I, I don't like the way that this whole thing has been set up. I didn't, I, I didn't like the BCS. I sure as shit don't like the committee because I think committee is completely biased. They're biased to, to two conferences. They're a hundred percent biased to the SEC, and they're also biased to the Big Ten. The Pac-12 gets shafted all the time, and that's what's going to happen. Is they're going to, they're going to argue strength of schedule. Ohio State beat more ranked teams than Oregon. Therefore, Ohio State should be in the national championship contention. The problem with that then is what the hell is the point of the regular season? Because Oregon beat Ohio State. So all things created equal, if they both end the season with one loss and both of them won their their conference championships, Oregon should be in the college football playoff over Ohio State. Now, maybe the committee lucks out and it doesn't come to that and Michigan, or if Michigan State beats Michigan this week, Michigan State ends up playing Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, and they beat Ohio State, and then at that point, the committee's got an easy walk-in right there. They're going to say, oh, okay, well, we have an undefeated Big Ten team. They're going to go in over the Pac-12 conference champion. But I just, that's something to pay attention to as we get closer. I'm not, you know, again, Oregon could lose again. Ohio State could lose again. And if that happens, then obviously that this conversation's moot. But I just think that that's something that we need to Keep in the back of your minds as you as we get closer to the the national championship because, like I said before, the committee is so biased and it's so corrupt and the, the whole the, which is why I'm one of those people that have said before that I want an expanded playoffs. I know a lot of people who love college football don't want that and they think, oh well, it's just going to be stupid because you're gonna you're gonna get teams that don't belong that that are just going to get blown off the face of the earth. My only argument, and I know I'm going kind of long here, but just stay with me for one second. My only argument against that is last year, Notre Dame made it into the college football playoff, and they got obliterated by Clemson. They only put up three points. 
so for anybody to sit there and say, well, what we have now is better because we're at least getting the four best teams. Are we really getting the four best teams? Because Notre Dame got a, got embarrassed, embarrassed. And it's the second time in five years that Chip Kelly has taken Notre Dame to the college football playoffs and have gotten obliterated. First time he got owned by Alabama. Not that there's anything wrong with getting owned by Alabama. But again, it's a playoff game. You should put put on a better performance in a playoff game. You get owned by Alabama, and then the following year you get obliterated, or not the following year, but the next time you get there, you get embarrassed by Clemson. So how can you say that what we have now is so much better than if you expanded it to eight teams or even six teams if you expand it to six teams you're really gonna you're gonna be able to tell me that having two extra teams make it to the college football playoffs is really going to be that detrimental to the integrity of of the games give me a break it's just it's just a it's a really really bad argument and it's what it comes down to is you have a lot of elitists out there in the media that just want it to be four because they just they like the i think they like the debate aspect of it i don't because they're it's very difficult to have a debate when it really doesn't matter, A, what you're debating, because at the end of the day, the committee is going to decide who gets in anyway. So it's just, it's it's so foolish. The whole, the whole process really pisses me off. But anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole here that that's just foolish. We're a month away from, from the selection committee doing anything anyway. So, all right, I'm off my diatribe, I promise. Let's get right into the NFL. All right, I think we've got to kick it off with what might be the most surprising game of the weekend. And that was the Bengals throttling the Ravens 41 to 17. Joe Burrow, 23 of 38 for 416 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Lamar Jackson, 15 of 31, 257 yards, a touchdown, and he also had 88 rushing yards. The Bengals did to the Ravens what the Ravens did to the Chargers last week. The Bengals owned every aspect of this ballgame. This was Joe Burrow's coming out party. He has solidified himself as a top 10 quarterback in this league. Jamar Chase is without question the best young wide receiver in the league. And yes, Number one, I called that in the draft. And number two, I said that the Bengals should take him over an offensive lineman because the the chemistry between Burrow and Chase was going to be legendary. And I got pushback, not only from people from the sideline network, I got pushback on social media. All the quote-unquote experts out there on on all the, the various platforms were sitting there going, this is stupid, you need to protect Joe Burrow. And while I believe that you should protect Joe Burrow, and the Bengals did make moves to protect Joe Burrow, they just didn't take a top offensive lineman. They did it later on in the draft. The connection between Chase and Burrow is amazing. And it's going to continue to be. Also, the Bengals are currently in first place in the AFC North. And if the playoffs started today, they would be the number one overall seed. Yeah, so just let your mind get blown on that one. Let's go on to the Ravens here. I'm not concerned about the Ravens at all. They've had three tough matchups in a row. Colts on a Monday night game, the Chargers, and now the Bengals. The only thing I can't figure out is Baltimore secondary. When they're on, they look like the best the best secondary in the league. But when they're off, the opposing quarterbacks are having a field day. With all that being said, I still believe the Ravens will write the ship and will still win this division. I'm not saying that the Bengals don't have a chance to make the playoffs because I, I, I actually think the Bengals are a good football team. Shocking. I didn't come into the season thinking the Bengals were going to be good. Again, I have to give Richo credit. He did say that when we did Richo and Lala with our preseason NFL picks. He did pick the Bengals to be a wildcard team. And I think he's got a point and I think he's going to end up being right. The Bengals just look like a good team. But I think the Ravens have had a they just had a massive come down after a huge victory against the Chargers the week prior. It happens in the NFL. I just I think the Ravens are the better football team when it's all said and done, but the Bengals are a team that you cannot take lightly. This is the second most surprising result, and that's the Titans dominating the Chiefs 27 to 3. Ryan Tannehill 21 and 27 for 270 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Derrick Henry had 86 rushing yards, 16 yards receiving, 5 yards passing, and a passing touchdown. Patrick Mahomes was 20 at 35 for 206 yards, 0 touchdowns, 1 interception, and 2 fumbles. The Titans put it on Kansas City. There was never a moment where Kansas City looked like they were in control in this game. Tannehill looked great to start but fell back to earth a bit in the second half. I mean, Tannehill looked like he was the best quarterback in football in the first half. He looked like Joe Montana out there. And then in the second half, he fell kind of back to earth. And in the second half, they, they definitely put more of the emphasis on the running game to try and milk the clock to keep Mahomes off the field. Uh, but the tit- the Titans, 
ended up dominating the time of possession, especially in that second half, which worked obviously worked in their favor. Mahomes for the sixth game this season has had at least one turnover, and this is the third game in a row where he has had multiple turnovers. Mahomes now leads the league with nine interceptions, but it's not just Mahomes. You can't put this all on Mahomes. Offensively speaking, the, the Chiefs look completely out of rhythm. The Chiefs lead the league with 17 giveaways. That's more than Arizona, Buffalo, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers combined. That's not strictly on Patrick Mahomes. That's the team in general. That, that's fumbles, that's interceptions, whatever it may be. 17 giveaways. Again, that's more than the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Bucks combined. That's terrible. That's it. We're only in week seven. We just finished week seven, and you have 17 turnovers. Travis Kelsey spends more time, and this is this is where when you know you know a team is struggling when their best player, arguably, because I actually honestly think Travis Kelsey is better than Tyreek Hill. If if I had to pick receivers, I would take Kelsey over Hill. Kelsey spends more time crying for flags than he does receiving passes. If you watch a Kansas, like he's become that NBA player that is just obnoxious. That anytime somebody breathes on them, they want a foul call. That's Travis Kelsey now. That's all he does. He spends all of his time throwing his arm up in the air after a play, begging for a flag. And Tyreek Hill has been relatively quiet the last few games. Tyreek Hill hasn't done a whole hell of a lot. He had a nice breakout game against Washington, which was two weeks ago now. But outside of that, defenses have really done a good job of double teaming him and, and keeping him relatively quiet. Chiefs are in big trouble, and I think people are starting to come around to it, but I think they're in more trouble than most people want to admit, but we'll get on that later on in the podcast. Okay, moving on. We got to talk my Colts, man. Colts won 30-18 to 18 over the 49ers. Carson won 17-26 for 150 yards, two touchdowns, 23 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. Jimmy G, 16-27 for 181 yards, one touchdown, two picks. For the first time all season, the Colts defense finally showed something. They held an opposing quarterback to under 200 yards passing and held the depleted 49ers rushing game to 111 total yards. The defense accounted for four turnovers and easily played their best game of the season. I was very proud of my Colts defense. They finally, finally learned how to do their jobs. But, caveat here, they did it against a 49ers team that is completely injury riddled. So while I am happy that the Colts played well, I also have to admit that it wasn't like they were playing a top team in the, in the league. They they beat up on a just injury-riddled and really not a good football team. And it kills me because last the, right before the game, we recorded Richo and Lala, and I picked the 49ers to be my one of my playoff teams. I was still holding out, out hope that they would, uh, they would be one of the wild card teams. I don't think that's going to happen. 49ers are in deep, deep trouble. The Colts have a season-deciding game on Sunday at home against the Titans. If the Colts win this football game, they still have a shot at winning the South. Now, I know I've I've been on this podcast a few times now saying that the Colts were done. After the Monday night debacle against the, the, the Ravens, I was done with them. I was like, you know, I'm throwing dirt on them. They're done. They're just an atrocity. I can't stand this team. Really, I just couldn't stand the defense. I didn't like the way that Frank Reich was calling plays. But... It, the fact of the matter is they're three and four. If they beat the if they beat the Titans, they'll be four and four, and they still have a shot, a shot at winning the South. Well, that's all I need. You just you, so I'm saying that there's a chance. There is an opportunity. If the Colts lose the game, their season's done. It's not gonna happen. Because they'll be I believe at that point they will be 0 and 2 in the division. There's just there's just no shot. They have no chance. They'll be 0-2 against the Titans too. So at that point, they're 0-2 in the division. They're 0-2 against the Titans. They're screwed. But if they win, they have an opportunity. So the game on Sunday is everything for that for my team. It's everything. I will be watching that game very, very closely. Now, bringing it back to the 49ers here. Now I get off my bandwagon. They are injury riddled, and I understand that. But the 49ers, in my opinion, have too much talent to be 2-4. and four. And I think it's time we stop calling Kyle Shanahan a genius. You can't have a sub-500 coaching record and be in the league this long and have only one successful season, which is the season when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Chiefs, because Kyle Shanahan, once again, had a lead in the fourth quarter, actually had a lead going into the second half and forgot how to run the football and allowed a team to once again come back and win a football game. Sorry, you can no longer be considered a genius anymore. It's time to move off Jimmy G and give Lance a shot as a starter. You're not doing anything special with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
You're not, like it's not like you're you're unloading this this special offensive package for Jimmy. It's not like he's airing out the ball and doing things that we haven't seen Trey Lance do. So un- unless you have some special package that you just for whatever reason haven't unleashed with Jimmy, at this point there's no point in not having Trey Lance just start playing. And as much as I hate to admit it, Jimmy is just not the guy. He's not the guy that I thought he was, and the 49ers need to start moving in a new direction at quarterback. I know Jimmy has been successful as a starter. If you look at his record, and some people, like Matt, don't believe that a record for a quarterback actually means anything. I disagree with that. I think that a quarterback has a lot to do with a record. But if you look at Jimmy's stats, and and this is the difference, there's a lot of quarterbacks that wins wins and losses actually do matter because if you look at their QBR and they look at you look at their quarterback rating, they have everything to do with why a team is successful and why it's not. In this case, though, if you actually look at the QBR, you look at the quarterback ratings in all of Jimmy G's games, in a lot of them, he didn't have a whole hell of a lot to do with why they won the football games. They've won a lot of games 13 to 10 or 14 to to 13 or 14 to 10 or something like that, where he's only had one touchdown pass. He may have had a pick, but the defense came up with a big stop in a lot of circumstances, or it was all the running game for a few games. So while I have been a big Jimmy G fan, I have been somebody who has pushed to say that Jimmy G is a top 15 quarterback in this league. If he is, he hasn't been showing it the past two seasons. Now I know he's been injury riddled, but again, you're, you're only as good as your availability in the NFL. And if you can't stay healthy and you're not winning ball games, which he really hasn't been lately, specifically not this season. I, It's just, at this point, it's time to move on. You traded all of these first-round picks to get Trey Lance. Start playing him at this point. See what you got. I think Trey Lance is going to be a great starter in this league. I, I said that at the draft time. I was pumped that the 49ers took him. You might as well start giving him giving him reps, giving him the opportunities. Let him make his mistakes. I've said it about Trevor Lawrence. The reason why I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be so successful in this league is because this Jaguars, and I'll give Urban Meyer credit for this, they've pretty much said, go do your thing. Well, we're going to we're going to create an offensive playbook around you. We're going to allow you to make mistakes. Who cares if you throw 30 interceptions this season? You'll learn from them and you'll move forward. I think that the same thing with Trey Lance. Let Trey Lance make his mistakes. Let him go out there and let him figure it out. This, they're not going anywhere this season. This is the season to do it. You're two and four. You're the arguably the worst, maybe the second worst team in your division. You're just you're not making the playoffs. It's not going to happen this year for you. So you might as well see what you have at quarterback. Quick note about my quarterback, Carson Wentz, real quick, and I should have brought this up back when I was talking about the Colts. Carson Wentz once again put on another great performance, and no one's talking about it, mainly because the Colts aren't relevant right now. But I just want to bring this up real quick. His numbers on the season, he's thrown for 1,695 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one interception. That That's pretty tremendous. You know, for everyone who wrote off Carson Wentz and said Carson Wentz is going to suck, he's no good. While they're not MVP-type numbers because he's not, he hasn't thrown for, he would need to be in like the 16, 17 touchdown range to be in the MVP conversation, and the Colts would actually have to be winning football games for him to be in the MVP conversation and maybe throw for a little more yardage. But those numbers are pretty damn good. If you told me, if you told me that these were the numbers I was going to get from Carson Wentz, I would have said to you that the Colts would have a winning record right now. Unfortunately, their defense hasn't shown up in a lot of games, hence why they're three and four. But Wentz is not the reason that this team has been living up to expectations. He continues to prove that he is a much better quarterback than people gave him credit for. And all the people out in Philly that wrote him off, you look foolish. Moving on, Brady and the Bucks slaughtered the Bears 38-3. to Brady was 20 of 36 for 311 yards, four touchdowns. He also threw his 600th career touchdown pass in this football game. Justin Fields, 22 of 32 for 184 yards and three interceptions. The Bucs look great again against an inferior opponent. The Bucs schedule the rest of the way is a joke. They have four remaining games against possible playoff teams. The Saints twice, the Colts, and the Bills. <laughs> then they play, they also play Washington, the Giants, the Falcons, and the Panthers twice, along with the Jets. So they have six easy wins for a team that's already six and one. So at worst, this team will go twelve and five. So the Bucs are like the Bucs are just gonna skate into the playoffs without any problem. The Bears, on the other hand, are a freaking dumpster fire. Justin Fields sucks. 
I am sorry, guys. You can you can blame Matt Nagy all you want, and you can say they need a new off, they need a new head coach, which they do. Matt Nagy sucks as a head coach. I'm not saying they, he doesn't, but how can you honestly sit there and watch the games and tell me that that is all offensive play calling? Justin Fields can't read a defense. Like that's not that you Matt Nagy. You can't coach a, a quarterback to learn how to read a defense when he's in the NFL. Those are the skills that he's supposed to develop in college. You're supposed to be able to come in, you're supposed to be coming into the NFL knowing how to read a defense. Not I'm not saying that you have to that the coach can't help coach you up to teach you different schemes of defenses, but you should be able to at least read a basic zone defense or a basic man-to-man defense. He can't do that. He doesn't know how to do it. It's it's like in his his arm is he's got a decent arm, but he throws stupid passes. All three of those interceptions were bad throws. It wasn't like they were tip balls. It wasn't like, oh, you know, this player, he either overthrew somebody, underthrew somebody, or just threw it right to the other team. The difference between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is massive. And yet the people out there who trash Trevor Lawrence are sitting there trying to make excuses for Justin Fields. The difference between the two of them, by the way, is that you can actually see Lawrence progress week after week after week. He's getting a little bit better game after games. Fields gets worse after every start. You know, like I've I've also been I've been on the the Justin Fields is going to suck for a long time bandwagon. I I've, I'm leading that charge, but there's nothing. There has been nothing so far this season to convince me that I'm even close to being wrong about Fields. You can't you can't blame the head coach in the offensive play calling for every mistake Justin Fields. And that's all you hear. Bear, because Bear fans are so desperate. And people in the media who whether or not they're they're rooting for Justin Fields because they like Justin Fields or they're rooting for them because they desperately want to see the Bears finally have a quarterback, they're making every excuse in the book for Fields. They didn't make that excuse for Mitch Trubisky. Think back. Mitch Trubisky was also coached by Matt Nagy. Do you remember anybody sitting there and going, well, you know, it's it's not it's not Trubisky, it's Nagy's coaching. No, it never happened. It never happened. So all the people out there that now all of a sudden want to blame Matt Nagy for the reason why Justin Fields sucks, it's just a joke. It really is. I, it, he's going to flame out as a starter. They're going to change coaches at the end of the season, very likely. He's going to get a new head coach. He'll get a new offensive play caller. And guess what's going to happen next year? He's still not going to be very good. Justin Fields is going to be a perennial backup in this league very, very quickly. All right, other NFL news and notes here. Rams squeak by the Lions 28-19. Stafford, 334 yards, three touchdowns. Rams are now 6-1 on the season. I love this Lions team. I absolutely love this Lions team. They may go winless this season, but they play so freaking hard every damn week. Their head coach keeps trying to find new ways to win games. Fake punts. It doesn't matter what it is. He is trying to win football games, and I respect that. This team has even made me start to like Jared Goff and feel a little bit bad for him. I know. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud either, but I do kind of feel bad for Jared Goff. And because I like this Lions team so much, I'm starting to turn the corner about Goff, and I kind of like him. Daniel Jones. And his New York Giants embarrassed the Carolina Panthers 25 to three. Jones had 203 yards, one touchdown. He had one touchdown reception for uh, excuse me, not one touchdown reception, but one reception for 16 yards, which was the greatest and most athletic reception by a quarterback in NFL history. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Take that, Eagles fans. Daniel Jones is just a revelation. I keep saying it week after week. He does everything. He does everything for this Giants team and gets no love and respect. It's unbelievable. Sam Darnold was 16-25 and 25 for 111 yards, one interception. Got pulled in the second half for Phillip Walker. Who the hell is Phillip Walker? I still don't know. Jones continues to do everything he can to try and keep the Giants above water. And for all of you Daniel Jones haters out there, just keep licking your wounds. Keep licking those wounds because you look foolish. I, I just I, I can't get enough of watching this dude. I love the fact that he's so hated by New York fans. It's it makes me love him more. It really does. I like this dude is it I hope I hope the Giants get rid of him. I hope the Giants get rid of him because he'll go somewhere else and he'll be spectacular. He's not the reason why your team sucks, guys. As much as you want to blame the quarterback, it's not his fault that Saquon Barkley can't stay healthy. 
It's not. Just like it's not Sam Darnold's fault that Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy. It's just, it is what it is, man. They're injury riddled. They're injury riddled players. And I know, I know the Daniel Jones people are going to be like, he looked awful last week. It was against the Rams, guys. Everybody looks bad against the Rams. And you have all these injuries. It's just him out there. He's the only offensive talent the, the, the Giants have, and you're going to blame him for throwing three interceptions against the Rams? Give me a break, guys. Just stop. The Panthers are not a playoff contending team like I thought they were. I was wrong about the about the Panthers. I drank the Kool-Aid, and now I look like a moron. And Darnold is not a starting quarterback in this league. I I tried to root for him. I I said it was the Jets' fault, and 3-0 was just amazing to see early this season and I'm sitting there going look screw the Jets Darnold is a dude he's going to be a good quarterback he's not it's just it's not going to work out for Darnold he's going to end up being a backup the Panthers it's already been reported that the Panthers are now making a play for Deshaun Watson so I think the writing's on the wall for Sam Darnold unfortunately as a starter he may finish out this season but the Panthers are either going to try to make a trade or look to sign a new quarterback at the end of the season Arizona remains undefeated as they throttled the Texans 31-5. Murray, 261 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. The Cardinals remain the team to beat in the NFL. They have a massive game this week on Thursday night as they host the Packers by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, that game will already be done. I'm going to take Arizona to win, by the way, because it looks like Devontae Adams isn't going to play because of COVID protocols. So if that's the case, I don't think the, the Packers have much of a shot if the Packers do, then it just shows you how much greater Aaron Rodgers is than anybody else on football right now. Uh, oh, by the way, the Texans are just sprinting towards the number one overall pick in the draft. I'm joking about Aaron Rodgers, by the way. Aaron Rodgers is great, and I love Aaron Rodgers, but he's not playing the best quarterback. That would be Kyler Murray, who is undefeated. Raiders are in first place in the AFC West. They're 5-2. and two. They beat the Eagles 33-22. to 22. Carr, 31-34, 323 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Raiders have won two straight games since Gruden's firing. The Raiders are a legitimate playoff contenders. And real quick, Eagles fans, you still happy you got rid of Carson Wentz? Just thought I'd ask. All right, let's get to my picks for the week. All right, here we go. I had my first winning week last week. I'm getting better. 3-1 last week, 15-13 on the season. Let's do it. I got four games for you. Texans at Colts, Patriots at Chargers, Eagles at Lions. Cowboys at the Vikings, which is the game of the week. Titans at the Colts. I'm taking the Colts plus two at home. So the Titans are favored by two points. I'm, I think the Colts are going to win this football game because they have to win this football game. I'm picking my heart over my head, so leave me alone. I'm 100% biased. This might be one of the, if, if you're going to bet the game, you might not want to listen to me. I'm going to put my money on the Colts, and I may be wrong, but that's what I'm doing. Patriots at Chargers. Chargers are a five and a half point favorite at home against the Patriots. Take the Chargers all the way in this football game. I think they're going to bounce back in a massive way after losing, getting embarrassed to the Ravens. I like the Patriots. I think the Patriots still have a chance to make the playoffs. I like Mac Jones. The Patriots defense, though, still isn't there yet. I'm somebody who always says this is usually the time right around now when the Patriots defense starts coming into the fold. I just... I, Look, man, it's Justin Herbert. You know how I feel about Herbert. I think Herbert is so damn great. It's not going to matter what type of adjustments Bill Belichick is going to try to make. I, I just think the Chargers are, the, are a much better football team than the Patriots. But I, it's tough, man. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I do I do believe that the Patriots can still make the playoffs, but I, I just I don't see them beating the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a much better football team. So, again, take the Chargers. They're Like I said, they're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Take the Chargers all the way. Eagles and Lions. Lions are a three-and-a-half-point dog at home. Take the Detroit Lions to win this football game. Take them. I'm picking the Lions. This is going to be their first game that they win this season. Lions, are, like I said, are a three-and-a-half-point dog at home. Take the Lions and those three points. Cowboys at Vikings game of the week. The Cowboys are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Take the Cowboys all day. Uh, look, I don't. the Vikings are the best team that does not have a winning record in football. I think the Vikings will, will make the playoffs. But this is not their week. The Cowboys are just the, the Cowboys had a bye week. They're coming off of a bye week. So didn't the Vikings, mind you. But that Cowboys offense is flying high. I still like the Cowboys all the way. I, this is going to be a high scoring affair. The, it, like the, both both teams are offensive juggernauts. The, like the reason why I'm picking this game to be the game of the week over the Titans at the Colts is just because of how high scoring I think it's going to be. 
So whatever, I don't even know what the over is, but whatever the over is on the point spread, I would take the over on it because I just like this game could go into the thir- the mid thirties. Because while the Cowboys defense is somewhat decent and the Vikings defense is somewhat decent, I just don't think it's going to matter. I think both quarterbacks are going to have great games. If you have any of these players in fantasy, you're going to have a good week. That's that's all I'm, that's all I can say. So to recap real quick, I got two underdogs and two favorites for you. My underdog, obviously, is the Colts at plus two, the Chargers five at minus five and a half. That's a favorite. Lions plus three and a half. That's an underdog. And the Cowboys at minus two and a half. Hopefully, I can give you all two winning weeks in a row. So the last episode of Richard and Lala, which is episode 131, you should all check it out wherever you get your podcasts. I got blitzed by Matt and Rich about Pat Mahomes. Now, I need to make this perfectly clear. I was not trying to have an argument about Pat Mahomes. I didn't want to talk Pat Mahomes on the podcast. But both Matt and Rich wanted to get at me about how I made the comment about how I believe Justin Herbert's going to have the better career. And now that Pat Mahomes has been steadily falling in a lot of people's eyes this season now this was again this we record that podcast prior to the giant egg he put up against the titans but previous to the titans game which just bolsters my argument and helps me win my case they were telling me about how my pat mahomes hate has led to my ascension of justin herbert which isn't true at all it's not true. It's not It's not based on anything other than the fact that both of those guys are butthurt because they're both wrong about Pat Mahomes, specifically Matt. Matt has been on the Pat Mahomes bandwagon from day one telling me that he's the greatest quarterback he's ever seen, that I'm wrong about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback or the, the, the most talented because the greatest quarterback is Tom Brady. So you can't say anybody is the greatest quarterback when Tom Brady's still playing the game of football. So Here's the deal, and and here's where I'm coming in on this, is that Matt is emblematic of the sports media as a whole, which is that you're not allowed to say a mean thing or a bad thing about Pat Mahomes. And here's the deal, y'all. It's okay to admit that Pat Mahomes is human, and he's not the greatest talent we've ever seen. At least he hasn't proven that yet. You can say that if you want to, and you can believe it at your core, but he hasn't done anything to really elicit that you can say again you can talk about potential all you want just like i'm saying that i believe justin herbert has the potential to have a better career than pat mahomes but i didn't say justin herbert's better than pat mahomes that never came out of my mouth and people can go oh well you know you're you're trying to lawyer this up and you're you're being very selective with your words well yeah because words matter And the way that you phrase sentences do matter. I never once, and you can go back and you can listen to the receipts on this on previous podcasts. I never once said Justin Herbert is better than Pat Mahomes. I said Justin Herbert's playing better football than Pat Mahomes right now, which guess what, guys? Fact check, that's true. Number two, I said that I believe Herbert's going to end up with a better career than Pat Mahomes. And guess what? He still has at least 10 to 15 more years of his career to go, just like Mahomes has a minimum of another 10 years to go in his career. So there's still a lot of body of work that we need to see to determine whether or not my proclamation is going to be right or wrong. And that brings me back to body of work matters. In the way that Mahomes has been playing lately, his body of work, he looks more like Brett Favre than he does Aaron Rodgers, meaning that he's reckless with the football in the way that Brett Favre was reckless with the football. Aaron Rodgers is not reckless with the football. Aaron Rodgers has a completion percentage, I think as a career, which is close to 70, hovering close to 70%. I think he's like 68 or 67% completion percentage. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's had two total seasons in which he's thrown double-digit interceptions with the most interceptions he's thrown in a season at 12. Two times he's thrown double-digit interceptions in a career that's that spanned over a decade. And the rest of those seasons, I think the most he's thrown has been eight or nine, and that was one season. He's also a three-time MVP. Aaron, Pat Mahomes has won one. So, I again, if, if you're going to tell me, or your argument's going to be, Pat Mahomes is the greatest talent we've ever seen, well, then he shouldn't be having years like this. Because the greatest talent at quarterback wouldn't be turning the ball over as recklessly as Pat Mahomes is turning the ball over. Wouldn't be playing as poorly 
is Pat Mahomes has been playing. That's not the greatest talent. Maybe in his later years, you know, Pat Mahomes hits 33, 34, 35 years old. His body starts breaking down a little bit. That's a different story. The kid's still in his prime. He's in his prime. This should not be happening right now, at least not to the greatest talent we've ever seen, because go back and look at Aaron Rodgers' stats in his prime. There has not been one time in Aaron Rodgers' prime when you sit there and went, ooh, I don't know if Rodgers is the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Not once, ever. Did you ever question if Rodgers was the most talented? Greatest quarterback? He's always been playing with Tom Brady in the league. It's kind of hard to have that conversation. But talented? No, there is never a question. You can question it with Pat Mahomes right now. And this is in his prime. We're in Pat Mahomes' prime right now. You can 100% question if Pat Mahomes is the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Because you have Justin Herbert in the league now. You have Kyler Murray in the league right now. You have Lamar Jackson in the league right now. You have Josh Allen in the league right now. That's four quarterbacks who you could argue is at least as talented, maybe even more talented than Pat Mahomes. You like, I, I mean, you could really make the argument about Josh Allen. And I really think you could even possibly make the argument about Kyler Murray being as talented, if not more talented, than Patrick Mahomes. The other name that I didn't even bring up is Aaron Rodgers. And here's the funny part. Aaron Rodgers isn't even in his prime anymore. And you could still make the argument that Aaron Rodgers is the better overall quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know you don't want to make that argument and people don't want to because, well, he, you know, we got, we got to make the excuses for Pat Mahomes, right? Because it's either his coaching, even though he's, you know, he's got the, the arguably the second best coach in the league right now in, in Andy Reid, or at least a top five coach in Andy Reid. The, presumably greatest offensive coordinator in the league and Eric Bieniemy, who everyone says should be a head coach. So either those coaches really aren't as good as advertised or maybe it is Pat Mahomes. Oh, wait, no, it's his defense. It's, it, it's, it's Pat Mahomes' defense. That, that's why his team's not good. Oh, really? Okay, so, and, and I'll grant you that the defense is one of the worst in the league. I think statistically it's the second to worst in football right now. I'll grant you his defense isn't that great. But were you making those excuses for Aaron Rodgers when – Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs has had to average somewhere between 27 to 30 points per playoff game in order to win those playoff games. You you guys, were all you same people out there defending Aaron Rodgers because um, I think it was Bill Barnwell or Mike Sando came out with that piece last year talking about how Aaron Rodgers has had to do more with less in the postseason because his defenses don't show up for him. Were you guys making those excuses for him? No? Okay, great. His receivers. That's This is my favorite one. In the, in the Super Bowl last year, people were talking about how, how his receivers didn't do enough to help Pat Mahomes. And even this season, people have been calling out his receivers. Here's the problem with that. He has arguably the greatest talent at tight end. And I don't even think it's arguable anymore. The greatest talent at tight end we've ever seen in Travis Kelsey. And the fastest wide receiver in football, arguably the best wide receiver in football in Tyree Kill. So either those guys aren't as good as everyone has proclaimed, or maybe, maybe... It's Pat Mahomes. And here's the other thing that actually works against Pat Mahomes, your argument about him being the the greatest talent we've ever seen. He came into the league with those guys on his roster. He walked into the league with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey sitting there waiting for him. He's never had to struggle. He's never had to play with less talent than other quarterbacks who have come into the league. Name me another quarterback. One. That has walked into the league with that type of talent at wide receiver or at tight end because it's never happened. Russell Wilson never had that coming into the league. Peyton Manning never had that coming into the league. We all know Tom Brady never had that coming into the league. So name me another quarterback that walked into the league with all the benefits of having a top five NFL coach, a top five NFL offensive coordinator, and arguably one of the greatest receiving cores we've ever seen. Because it's never happened. And if you bring up his offensive line, I'm going to laugh at you. Because if you look at the statistics, because that's the other thing. Oh, the reason why they lost the Super Bowl is because that offensive line was porous. Which, the offensive line had some injuries last year. And in the Super Bowl, it wasn't great. But statistically, even in the postseason, it wasn't the worst offensive line. And right now, right now, it's middle of the road. It's not the worst. It's not the best. It's right in the middle. 
Look it up. So you can keep, I mean, I don't know what other excuses you can possibly try and make for him at this point, but I'm sure, I'm sure some of you out there will try and find more. The point is, you can't keep making the comment that Pat Mahomes is the greatest talent we've ever seen at quarterback and not at least sit back and self do a little self-reflection and realize that maybe, just maybe, you, you kind of overshot the mark here. Because I, I and, and you, I've been crushed. I was crushed on Rich and Lala about how I was hesitant. Matt kept bringing it up. You were so hesitant to finally admit that he's the greatest talent. I, not only was I hesitant, I still never admitted it. I said he's pretty good. I said, you know, yeah, he's good. Pat Mahomes is a good quarterback. Do I think he's the greatest talent I've ever seen? No. And I'll never change my mind on that. Because I still think Aaron Rodgers is the best talent I've ever seen a quarterback. And I think when it's all said and done, Justin Herbert's going to usurp Pat Mahomes and possibly Aaron Rodgers as the greatest talent I've ever seen. Pat Mahomes is a lot. I'm not saying Pat Mahomes isn't a top quarterback in this league. But I can tell you right now, right now in this moment, as I told you about how he's not a top talent in the league, or he's not the top talent in the league, he's not playing like a top 10 quarterback in the league. Look at his statistics. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to tell you. If, you. if you're watching on the field, if you watch the games, actually watch them, and you watch the decisions that Pat Mahomes is making, you can make an argument that there is at least five quarterbacks that you would take ahead of him right now. At least five. And those would be Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott. I think those are your safe five bets, mainly because those are your probably your arguably your top five MVP votes in the league right now. I would take Justin Herbert ahead of him. So that's six quarterbacks. You can make an argument that Matt Stafford is playing better than him. That's seven. Lamar Jackson, that's eight. Joe Burrow is playing better quarterback than Pat Mahomes right now. That's nine. And you could argue that you would take Derek Carr over him. That's 10. That's 10 quarterbacks right now that look like they're playing better at the position than the oh-so-great Pat Mahomes. And I'm going to bring it back to Aaron Rodgers one more time. There was not one time in Aaron Rodgers' prime, not one, where you would have taken two, let alone 10, quarterbacks over him. I know the season's early. It's still, we haven't even made it midway. And very likely, Pat Mahomes is going to ball out, or he should ball out against the pitiful New York Giants. It's it's a primetime game. He's very likely going to ball out against them. And then I'm going to hear everybody coming, waving me back of going, see, you overshot the mark here on this. Look at how great Pat Mahomes is. Again, he will probably ball out against the Giants. But then look at the rest of his schedule. We will see in about three to four weeks how good Pat Mahomes really is. If he's able to dig himself out of the hole that he has created, then maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I'll have to come back and have an accountability bowl, which is going to be the last word segment where I I am going to be humble. Right now, I'm not. Right now, I'm being a prick, and I know I'm being a prick, and I'm okay with it. Because I have been right This right now is proving me right. And I'm going to sit on this until I'm proven wrong. Because I have been bombarded with people telling me that I'm an idiot and I'm stupid and I'm just a hateful person about Pat Mahomes. Never hated the kid. I actually like Pat Mahomes. I think he's a pretty damn good dude. I enjoy his commercials. He seems like a pretty okay guy. Don't know him personally, but I don't dislike him. I just have never bought into the media narrative that he is the greatest talent we've ever seen because I don't think he's the greatest talent we've ever seen. I'm not saying that he's not, he won't go down as a top 10 quarterback. Like if he retired right now, you could make an argument. He's a top, what, top 15, top 10 quarterback of all time. Just his stats alone, if you looked at his, at his career trajectory yeah he's probably going to be he's definitely going to be in Canton he's probably going to be a top 10 quarterback you could make that argument right now I'm not saying that he's not going to be an all-time great 
I am just saying that he's not the most talented thing we've ever seen on this earth. And I think people who have jumped to that conclusion so early on are stupid. And they're so desperate to be right about it because they jumped to that conclusion. And so, look, and, and I, there's no fault in wanting to be right. And I think that's important too. That's an important thing to point out because, look, I want to be right about Justin Herbert. I, obviously, I made the comment. I made the comment far before everybody else did, which kills me because I don't have a national platform. But I made the comment right after that Chiefs game when the, when the Chargers beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. I immediately texted my group chat with the guys from the sideline network along with some of our other friends. And I said, Justin Herbert's going to be better than Pat Mahomes because of what I watched on the field. That was my belief. I said it before Terry Bradshaw said it. I said it before Colin Cowherd said it. I said it before a lot of people said it. It took them a couple more weeks to get on that bandwagon. So, of course, I want to be right about that. Just like all of those people who said, Pat Mahomes is the greatest talent we've ever seen after one season. Well, not only do they want to be right, but if it turns out that Pat Mahomes isn't the biggest talent or the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, they look foolish. And they don't want to look foolish. And I get that because I don't want to look foolish. So I'm not necessarily blaming them for feeling that way. But you can't continuously make arguments or excuses for Pat Mahomes based off of what we've seen. Because he's not the, he's just not the most talented quarterback out there right now. You can't, I, I don't understand how you can make that argument with a straight face. You can say, I'm gonna, I'm going to die on this hill. That's fine. I get that. But if you're watching fo- if you're actually watching football and you're watching the games and you're watching quarterback performances this season, I don't know how you can honestly walk away from a microphone or from wherever it is, your bully pulpit, wherever you stand, or, or social media, whatever it may be, and, and honestly say Pat Mahomes is playing the best quarterback in football. Because he's not. He's not even in the MVP conversation, y'all. This dude who was one of the front runners for, for preseason MVP, he's not even sniffing an MVP season. Think about that. Derrick Henry has more of a chance of winning MVP than Pat Mahomes. And Derrick Henry is sitting behind like five other quarterbacks that have a better of a chance of winning MVP. All right, so I'm going to close out this segment here. I'm sure most of you are ready to pull your hair out because I've been talking about this for like 15 minutes. But at the end of the day, you can keep making excuses for him all you want. And that's fine. There's plenty of you out there that are going to continue to do it anyway because you want to be right and you love Pat Mahomes and whatever it may be. But at a certain point in time, His play is going to prove you wrong. If he continues down this trajectory, specifically this season, you're not going to have a leg to stand on at a certain point in time. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Again, this could be his one-off year. This is one piss-poor year, and then all of a sudden he'll turn it back around next season. But I don't think – I'm not saying that Pat Mahomes is trash. I'm not saying he's not going to be a top-10 quarterback in the league for the rest of his career. What I'm saying, though, is that it always comes back to the talent argument. My point has always been he's not the greatest talent at quarterback I've ever seen, and his play, specifically right now, is proving me right. I think self-awareness is important, and I'm completely self-aware of the fact that I can be an arrogant dick or a prick, whatever you want to call me, in certain moments. That last segment was me being arrogant, and I'm I'm completely aware of the fact that I uh, most of you who listen to that segment are rolling your eyes or are annoyed. Or if you're not a Pat Mahomes, you know, sycophant, you may have enjoyed that segment. But like I try to do in in most circumstances is I always try to be self-reflective. And so I'm going to do an accountability bowl to try and, you know, even out the scales a little bit here. So I wanted to look back on some of my proclamations, specifically both coaches and certain players that I believe were going to be successful and I have been, specifically this year, this year has actually been a really eye-opening year as far as proclamations go within the NFL, at least in my opinion. And we'll start with Jimmy G. I said for a long time that Jimmy G is a top 15, 14, 13 quarterback in the league. I believed in Jimmy G. I loved Jimmy G. From seeing him in New England, I thought this dude is going to be the next best thing. 
And he went, when he went to San Francisco, I was like, oh my God, this is the best place for him. Bill Belichick just did Kyle Shanahan a massive favor. He also did Jimmy G a massive favor. And I believed that Belichick sent Jimmy G to San Francisco because he loved Jimmy so much. He wanted to see Jimmy succeed. And we all thought, you know, when San Francisco went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and played, ironically, Pat Mahomes, that, holy shit, you know, everyone, everyone who said Jimmy G was going to be good, they were right. His numbers were never, he's never had a statistically, you know, MVP type of season, but he was always, he always played well enough to win games. I mean, his, his QB record, his, his win-loss record is insane for a starter. It just is. I mean, he has an excellent win-loss record. But at the end of the day, he couldn't make the throws that he needed to make in the in the Super Bowl. And look, he he came up short in that Super Bowl. Now, Kyle Shanahan also blew it again in a Super Bowl by not just running the damn football in the second half and milking the clock because that would have taken care of it. But there's that play in the fourth quarter where Jimmy had a wide-open wide receiver and he overthrew him by like five, six yards. Had he connected on that play, the Super Bowl would have been over. They would have scored a touchdown. Game over, San Francisco wins. You know, that that Super Bowl was a tale of two halves, for those who have forgotten. The 49ers were beating the brakes off of the Chiefs in the first half. And then the Chiefs came roaring back in the second half. And that was really where the whole Pat Mahomes thing really blew up was everyone was going he's the greatest thing of all time how many Super Bowls is Pat Mahomes going to win yada 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 but Jimmy G has shown from that Super Bowl loss to now a he can't stay healthy and b he's just not that dude so I was dead wrong about Jimmy G he's not that guy will he be a starter somewhere else yeah probably I mean I'm sure there'll be another team that'll give him a shot are they going to win games you know honestly as much as I, I can't believe I'm actually going to admit this Jimmy G is kind of Jared Goff. Now, I think Jimmy is more talented than Goff, but I think he is in that type of circumstance where he'll go to another team, he won't win a lot of games unless the team has got is built around him. So, I mean, look, if he goes to a better circumstance, like if he went to Denver, yeah, I think Jimmy would actually play pretty well in Denver. I do. I think he would be he would be successful in a place like Denver because they do have weapons for him to do something with. But he's not a quarterback that can just carry your team. He's not that guy. That's why I'm saying he's not that dude. So I was wrong about Jimmy G. I was wrong about Sam Darnold. I came into this season saying, hey, look, it's it's all the Jets. I don't think it's all the Jets. I don't think you can just blame the Jets. You can blame Adam Gase. Don't get me wrong. Adam Gase is a joke. But it's not the Jets franchise. Sam Darnold, just again, he's not that dude. Great arm. He's a talented guy. He just can't put it all together. And he was a great college quarterback. I thought Darnold was going to be one of the better better quarterbacks coming out of college. I never thought he was the best in his draft, but I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was the second best quarterback in his draft. I thought the Jets made a nice pick by taking him. And I also believe that the Jets never set him up for success in New York. I still believe that, by the way. I, I still think that he he never he was never granted or given enough talent around him to be successful in New York. But he's got plenty of talent in, in Carolina. You can't say that he doesn't have weapons all over the place. I know McCaffrey's injured, but there's still some talented receivers in Carolina, and Darnold's just not doing it. So I was wrong about Darnold. Bringing it back to San Francisco, I was wrong about Kyle Shanahan. I I made the argument a few years ago that I thought Kyle Shanahan was going to usurp McVay as being the better coach, not only in the NFC West, but being one of the top coaches in the league. You can't make that comment about Kyle Shanahan. The dude is sub-500 as, as a head coach. He has a worse winning percentage, which I just found out listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, a worse winning percentage than Mike Singletary. Imagine that. Do you all remember Mike Singletary? When he was the head coach of the 49ers, man, you thought that dude was going to have a heart attack every single time on the field. Every time they showed him watching the games, he was always screaming and yelling, and he had like those that that like really twisted, serious face all the time. Bill Burr used to make a joke about him. It was actually really funny. But he has a worse winning percentage than than uh, Mike Singletary. He has a worse winning percentage than Rex Ryan. So put that in your pipe and smoke it for a second. Like that's insane. This guy is considered an offensive genius. But he has cost two teams Super Bowls. First, the Falcons as an offensive play caller and 
the 49ers as the head coach, also the offensive play caller. He really hasn't been able to, I won't say that that he hasn't built up Jimmy G because I, I, I think he has, he has done the best that he can with Jimmy, I think anyway. That also brings me back to the Jimmy G thing where I, I just, Jimmy G is not that dude. I think he helped Matt Ryan when he was in Atlanta because that year that he was the offensive play caller, the Falcons did go to the Super Bowl. Again, they blew it, but they did go to a Super Bowl. So I think he's a good offensive coordinator. I just don't think he's a good head coach. And I don't think that he he can really build build that team, that offensive team that he needs to. Because realistically speaking, the 49 and again, I know they're in I know they're injury riddled. And I wanted to believe in this football team. I, I did. I, I still picked them on Richard and Lala. We talked about which teams do you still think can make the playoffs. And I said the 49ers. And then the 49ers lost to the Colts. And now I'm sitting there going, okay, well, this team's just not that good. I know they're injury riddled, but they don't really have much depth at wide receiver. They, they sure as hell don't have depth at running back. They don't have depth at tight end. Greg Kittle can't stay healthy. Again, that's not on Kyle Shanahan. But Kyle Shanahan's also the head coach. And if he's this offensive genius that he's being touted as, he should still be able to figure it out. Look, Sean Payton is making Jameis Winston look halfway decent. So, again, if you're going to be considered a a top offensive coordinator or a top offensive mind in football, you should be able to make Jimmy G look a little bit better. Or, better yet, you should be able to build up Trey Lance or be smart enough to realize that Jimmy G is not the answer and Trey Lance should be the starter. That's really where, where it should be. So look, I was wrong about Kyle Shanahan. I was also wrong a long time ago, and I'll bring this up again, about Mike Tomlin. Dead wrong about Mike Tomlin as a head coach. By the way, the rumors of him going to USC are, are stupid. He's not going to USC, folks. He, I, I mean, I, and I, and I think it's fucked up. And he did bring this up in the podcast, and in his, excuse me, not podcast, in his press conference, where he he brought up the fact because the reporters were like, "Oh, hey, you're going to take the USC job," and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, y'all ask Sean Payton this? Did y'all ask Andy Reid this?" You ask all these other coaches if they're going to take the USC job. What? What? Because we're having a bad year in Pittsburgh. You guys are asking me if I'm going to bail. And when you sit back and you think about it, it is kind of messed up. The respect that Mike Tomlin doesn't get. The dude's never been under 500 as a head coach. Think about that. Never once as a head coach has his team been under 500. Given all the turmoil that they've had in Pittsburgh for for a few years, he's never been under 500. Maybe this year is the first year that they are sub-500. But you never know. I mean, they've got the Browns this week. I think Pittsburgh can beat the Browns, even if Baker Mayfield does play, even though because he's claiming that he's feeling better than he really is. I think they'll beat the Browns with Baker Mayfield, with Case Keenum. It really doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. I, I, I think the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger can at least pull out a game like that. So I was wrong about Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, I think, arguably, is the fifth best coach in the league. You know, I, don't, I don't really care how you want to stack them up, but I think Mike Tomlin's a top-five head coach in the NFL. The, the other quarterbacks that I've been wrong about or that I, I should have probably given a little more credit to, I was wrong about Dak Prescott. I was wrong about, about A, I was wrong about Dak Prescott's injury coming into the season, but I was also wrong about the Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott debate. I was sitting here for a long, long time saying that, Sam, that Carson Wentz was going to be better than Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has not only proven me wrong, but he's obliterated all the arguments that I made against him. So for all of you out there who have claimed that I'm a, a secret Cowboys homer, you forget that I was Carson over Dak for a long, long time. I, Dak Prescott, like I, I said earlier, is, is one of the top five quarterbacks in, in football right now. He's playing phenomenal this season. He played phenomenal last season before he got injured. The dude is 100% earned that contract, by the way. I was also wrong about that. I said they shouldn't pay Dak Prescott. He's pretty much proven me dead wrong about every proclamation I've ever made. And finally, the last guy that I was dead wrong about was Lamar Jackson. Now, that is one argument that Matt has over me, is the Lamar Jackson debate. Lamar Jackson came into the league, and I was adamant that he's just not good. He's not going to be good. He's a running back who occasionally throws the football. And it's taken me a long time. By a long time, I mean it's taken me three years to finally come around to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a damn good quarterback. 
He has he's done something that I didn't think was actually possible. And Josh Allen is another quarterback who I did like coming out of college, but he has proven that it is also possible to fix your completion percentage from college to the pros. Now, that does not happen very often. Usually, if a quarterback can't throw the ball, it can't complete passes in college, he's not going to be able to figure it out in the NFL. But somehow, Lamar Jackson, like Josh Allen, has been able to turn that corner and make some damn good throws. And Lamar Jackson, specifically against the game against the Colts, as well as the Chargers, made some incredible throws and some incredible plays. Lamar Jackson is is a top, I would argue, seven quarterback in football. I, I don't think he's he's top five, but he's you could he's playing like a top five quarterback this year. You can't argue that. He's he's in the MVP conversation. But I think overall, like you know, when you digest at the end of the season, I think he's in the top six, top seven conversation. But I never I never thought Lamar Jackson would ever be in that conversation. That's the point I'm trying to make. I've I've always believed, or at least I believed, Lamar Jackson was going to be somebody. He was a gimmick. He was a wannabe Michael Vick that didn't have the arm talent that Vick had, that couldn't complete passes the way that Michael Vick could. Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick. And I never thought that I would ever say that. But he's a better decision maker with the football than Michael Vick was. For all the talent that Vic had, and God was Michael Vick incredible, Lamar Jackson makes better decisions, specifically under pressure, than Michael Vick did. Now, he hasn't had, Lamar hasn't had the same success in the postseason that Vic did. Not yet, anyway. But that is definitely, Lamar Jackson is, is out of all of, the, all of my proclamations over the last few years that I've been doing a podcast. I have never been more wrong about a player than I've been about Lamar Jackson. I have completely 100% turned the corner on Lamar. I like Lamar. I, I mean, I always did. I always liked Lamar Jackson as a person. I've always enjoyed his press conferences. The dude's always been humble. He's always been self-aware. Always liked Lamar as a person. Just never believed that he could do it as a quarterback. And I, I again, I, I can't admit, I, I can't attest to how wrong I have been about him. So there's my, there's my accountability bowl for everybody. So while, again, I can be arrogant in some segments, I can also be humble in others. And I think it's important when, when you feel like you've been so right and so vindicated about one thing, you also need to, to check yourself every once in a while, which is what I'm doing here. So look, if you guys think that I've been wrong about some other quarterbacks or there's, there's other sports proclamations that I've made over the past few years that you think I need to, uh, I need to self-reflect on, you can reach out to me at LaValleyCH on Twitter and let me know. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out episode 15 of Spaceball, which is currently available, as well as episode 2 of The Secret Stuff, a fantasy basketball podcast hosted by Matt Danielek. And that is it. That's all I have for you this week. I hope you all be well. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you all again soon.